<laughs> no worries. Um, so the scripture reading in the bulletin says it's in chapter 10, but it's actually chapter 11, the first 18 verses. So Acts 11, 1 through 18. And when you have that, please stand with me as I read from the book of Acts. Now the apostles and the brethren who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. And when Peter came up to Jerusalem, those who were circumcised took issue with him, saying, You went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. But Peter began speaking and proceeded to explain to them in orderly sequence, saying, I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision, an object coming down like a great sheet lowered by four corners from the sky, and it came right down to me. And when I had fixed my gaze on it and was, and was observing it, I saw the four-footed animals of the earth and the wild beasts and the crawling creatures and the birds of the air. I also heard a voice saying to me, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. But I said, By no means, Lord, for nothing unholy or unclean has ever entered my mouth. But a voice from heaven answered a second time, What God has cleansed no longer considered unholy. No longer consider unholy. This happened three times, and everything was drawn back up into the sky. And behold, at that moment, three men appeared at the house in which we were staying, having been sent to me from Caesarea. The Spirit told me to go with them without misgivings. These six brethren also went with me, and we entered the man's house. And he reported to us he had seen the angel standing in his house and saying, Send to Joppa and have Simon, who is also called Peter, brought here. And he will speak words to you by which you will be saved, and you and all your household. And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them, just as he did upon us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he used to say, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Therefore, if God gave to them the same gift as he gave to us also after me believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? When they heard this, they quieted down and glorified God, saying, Well then, God has granted to the Gentiles also the repentance that leads to life. You may be seated. Well, it doesn't happen every week, but it happened just now. I was enjoying Howard reading the scripture. I was enjoying singing hymns as Ron led us. I forgot I was even supposed to come up here. I'm standing there thinking, what's next? And I realized, I'm next. <laughs> but I walked up here. What a blessing it's been uh, to be together this morning. We've all come into this place with different thoughts and things going on this week. It has been a busy week. Those of us that minister to those young ones here. And um, maybe some different challenges in your life this week or right now. Let's just go before the Lord and ask Him to bless our time in His Word. And... Uh, I'm going to ask him to bless as I proclaim as well. We need his help. Hey? We need to be active hearers. And I need the Lord to keep me from saying anything I shouldn't. And just to guide us this morning. So let's just go before him and ask him to bless our time together. Father, I want to thank you for each one that's in this place this morning. I want to thank you for your word Thank you for those hymns that we got to sing. Thank you for that missions moment. Thank you for what we see our brothers and sisters in Christ doing on behalf of soldiers that, um, well, some need to come to know the Lord. 
and others just need healing, uh, the healing that comes from the Lord. Father, just bless that ministry. Thank you for uh, what we get to see each week uh, through your people and around the world. Father, we, we come before you now and ask that you bless our time in your word. Help us to be active listeners. Keep me from saying anything I should not say. May you be pleased with what is proclaimed and our response to it. And I want to thank you in advance for what you're going to do uh, through our time in your word this morning. Lord, uh, we, we just trust you with this time now. In Christ's name, for his glory. Amen. Well, I can't even remember what I titled this message. I had a title. I sent it to Cindy. What's it say in your bulletin? <laughs> important truths. Uh, three important truths concerning the gospel. This was one of them bullwinkle weeks. I thought I could title it that, or I could title it this. And it sounded something like this. Peter, you got some explaining to do. That's I thought of Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz. <laughs> Lucy, you got some explaining to do. Uh, but Peter has some explaining to do. He's gone and he's ministered to the Gentiles and they've come to faith in Christ and there's some confusion about that. And so um, that's what we're going to be looking at. I wanted to mention um, uh, VBS a little bit. I want to say, you know, the Lord still leads his people. We had decisions to make about VBS or Kids Club and what that was going to look like, whether or not we should have it. We wouldn't have time for a big production. Uh, Cindy did a fantastic job. Um, just a wonderful week. We even saw two kids, well, four, but two kids respond to the gospel. Maybe have trusted Christ as Savior uh, this week. So we just praise the Lord for that. I think it's the most kids we've had at a VBS yet. We just had a wonderful time. And kids still love flannel graph. It was, it was, it was wonderful to see the interaction of the kids with flannel graph. Thank you for your prayers, and I want to thank each one that was, took part. Lots of, lots of folks took part in that, and I'm thankful for each one. But God is still at work, and He goes before us. Eh? Um, so three important truths concerning the gospel of Jesus Christ. A bit of a funny morning this morning. I didn't bring my glasses that I need, so to look at you, I can't really... You look fuzzy. If I try looking at you like this, you look fuzzier, and I can't see without these, so... Uh, if you followed along as Howard read these verses, it is obvious that news has come to the apostles and the brethren, it says, concerning the Gentiles and their faith in Christ. And it's obvious that uh, objections have been raised with regard to what has transpired and Peter going and meeting with the Gentiles. And then it's obvious that Peter comes and he gives an explanation in verses 4 through 17. And in verse 18, it's obvious that they are praising God for what God has done. Those are just the obvious elements of this section of Scripture. And then to go beyond that, you know, what, what really you could bring out of this text is this, is the importance of accepting one another in the Lord. There is an importance of accepting one another in the Lord because God can save whomever He chooses and God has chosen to save those who will receive His Word, the Gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we are all one in Christ. We have believers around the globe that we are one with, right? We are one in Christ. So with all of that, I would like to bring out three important truths concerning the Gospel of Jesus Christ. And the first one is this. The Gospel is God's Word. Now that might seem like a simple statement, 
but I think it's a, val- a very important statement. The gospel is God's word. Let's just look at verse 1 of chapter 11, Acts chapter 11. Now the apostles and the brethren who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. That's how Luke terms it. They had received the word of God. Later in Acts chapter 15 and verse 7, you don't need to turn there, but when Luke is referring, well, let's turn there. Acts 15, 7. It's only a page, right? Two maybe. Fifteen seven. Now, now this objection to the Gentiles and what the church ought to do with regard to the Gentiles coming to faith in Christ, it's going to be kind of temporarily resolved here and they're going to be accepted, but there's going to be questions that continue and it comes to this point in Acts chapter 15 where they're trying to decide what do we do now? Should the Gentiles become Jewish is really the question. And look what Peter says in Acts 15.7. After there had been much debate about this idea of whether or not the Gentiles should become Jews, Peter stood up and said to them, Brethren, you know that in the early days God made a choice among you that by my mouth the Gentiles would hear the word of the gospel and believe. The word of the gospel. The word of the gospel is the word of God. That's my first point. Again, that's not a complicated point, but the gospel is the word of God to man. It's God's word to man. It's God's word to us. The gospel is that. It's not a man-made conception. We didn't invent it. We didn't come up with it. We didn't say, hey, you know what? I think what sounds good is... God's going to save us in this way and it's going to look like this and it's going to look like that. No, the gospel is God's word to us. It's God's word to us. God has spoken to us about something. He's spoken to us about the gospel. He's spoken to us through the gospel. The gospel is God's word to man. It's not man's word about God. The gospel is not man's word about God. We don't come to the gospel and say, This is what we think the gospel is. God tells us what the gospel is. The gospel is God's word to us. It's a very important distinction. It's God's word to us. It's God's word to man. Now here in this first verse, it seems like the news has traveled fast and far. Now the apostles and the brethren who who were throughout Judea, that's a pretty big area, heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. The apostles and the brethren. The brethren, those who felt like they were a part of the same family, the family of God. They would have said, we are children of God together. They would have, they would have acknowledged that together. They have heard this news that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. That's what they heard. It came to their ears and it got their attention. The Gentiles also. The Gentiles also. That little word also means they didn't receive something else. They received the same word. They received the word of God. The gospel is the word of God to man. And they received that same word. 
they, the same thing they had, the Word of God, they received that. When Peter goes and proclaims Christ to them back in Acts 10, we are going to turn to uh, one verse in Acts 10. Acts 10.36. What he says in Acts 10.36. He, he, he's sharing the gospel with Cornelius and his household. He opens his mouth in 10.34. And he says this in 10.36. The word which he sent, the word which God sent to the sons of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ. The word which God sent. The gospel is God's word to man. It's God sent. It came from heaven. The gospel is that. It's a message from heaven to you and me. It's God's message to you and me. It's not our message about God. It's God's message to us. It's God's message to mankind. God sent a word. I don't think that's a small thing. Has God spoken to you? Yes, He has. He's spoken to us through His Son. God has sent a word to me. And what's the word He sent to me? That there is salvation for me in Jesus Christ. And He sent the same word to everyone. That's the second point we're going to get to. We're not there yet. But the Gospel is God's word to man. We didn't create it. We didn't come up with it. This is God's plan of salvation. It's the word which God sent to Israel, to God's elect nation, and to everyone else as well. In, in, in Acts 10.36, the word which He sent to the sons of Israel. God sent this word to the sons of Israel, and Peter is bringing it to the Gentiles. He's opening that door. We talked about that two weeks ago. It's open to everyone else as well. Paul writes of that in Romans 1.16 when he says, I am not ashamed of the Gospel of Christ because it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. To everyone who believes. For the Jew first and also for the Greek. The Greek means every other culture. The Gospel is God's Word to mankind. For the Jew first, but also for the Greek. And the Gospel is a word of peace. Back in 10.36, that's what Peter says to them. The word which he sent to the sons of Israel, preaching peace. It's a word of peace. It's peace that comes from God. It's peace. It's a message of peace with God. When you receive the Gospel, when you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, you have, present tense, right now, brother and sister in Christ, you have peace with God. Now look, we can sin and we can feel like we don't have that peace anymore, but God's given us a way to, to, to get right with Him and have that sense of peace restored. God's never gone anywhere in my life. When I got saved, He's never left me. Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He's never left me. And in 1 John, John writes, look, if we claim to be without sin, we make God out to be a liar. We're deceiving ourselves. In 1 John 1.9, he says, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. He's faithful to do it. He'll do it every time. And He's just to do it. It's His Word to us. It's the Word He sent to us. The Gospel is not our conception of God. It's God's message to us. It's a message of peace. It's peace with God. If you're a brother and sister in Christ in this building this morning, you have peace with God. We can rest in that. I got this microphone flopping off my ear this morning. I don't have the right pair of glasses. I can tell there's some 
funniness in the room this morning. I think Ron senses that a little bit as well. But I think the Spirit's at work here this morning. We have peace with God. This thing isn't giving me any peace and these glasses making things fuzzy for me. But we have peace with God. We can rest in that. Oh, we can rest in that. Can't we? We can just rest there. This, the wonderful thing about VBS this week was that everyone that was a part of VBS this week were, came in here, just had this, there was this tremendous peace with God that just was in this building this week. I think the kids picked up on that. There was such a joy, such a, a warmth in this building this week. It was beautiful. And we have that same peace this morning. We have peace with God. And there's peace that comes from God. That's what Peter says. The message of peace and forgiveness of sins. He refers to it at, in, uh, in its peace. Let me get back to that, but I don't want to jump past that. In Acts 10.36, it's peace through Jesus Christ. The peace I have with God isn't through me. And thank God it's not. Praise the Lord, the peace I have with God is not through me. I don't do things perfectly. I don't do things right all the time. I don't think things right all the time. The peace I have with God is through Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord, right? And the peace you have with God is through Jesus Christ. It's a complete peace you have with Him. I think this is important for us to remember. It's important for us to be reminded of. Our, we're going to have communion this morning. We can come to commune, the communion table, not because we have a righteousness of our own, but because Christ Himself is our righteousness. And that's what we're celebrating. We're going to celebrate that Christ is our righteousness. So we have a righteousness from God. Isn't that a wonderful thing? A righteousness from God. If we took a survey of one another this morning, we'd say, no, I'm not that righteous. Do you know where I fail? I fail here, I fail there. If we were really transparent with each other, but we have a righteousness from God. It's God's message sent from heaven to us. A righteousness from God. Forgiveness of sins. What a wonderful truth. Forgiveness of sins. All of them. Past, present, future, forgiven, covered. By one sacrifice that Jesus has provided for us. By one sacrifice. He's perfected forever those who are being made holy. We're being made holy. We're being made in the image of His Son. None of us have arrived. Not one of us. Isn't it a joy to know that our righteousness isn't in us. It's in Christ. The perfect, righteous One. And what a beautiful, righteous Savior we have. Hey, When you read of Him in the Word of God, what a beautiful person Jesus is. What a beautiful person He is. The gospel is God's word to man. The gospel is not, you're okay, I'm okay, we're all okay. It's all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, but Jesus has paid the price and He's paid it in full. That's the gospel. That's the word of God to us. The gospel tells us that sin has an awful cost. When we look to the cross, what do we see? 
If we think of Jesus on that cross, if we see the trials he went through leading up to that cross, we picture him in the garden there, we see that sin has an awful, awful cost. But he paid it. So we don't have to. He paid it. What a wonderful Savior. What a wonderful Lord we have. The Gospel is God's Word to man. And there's forgiveness of sins there. Peter says as much, Acts 10.43, of him all the prophets bear witness that through him, or through his name, everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins. We have that. Oh, did you feel that when you first trusted Jesus? I did. When you first trusted Jesus, you just felt that freedom from sin. You have that, you have that still. Forgiveness of sins. Complete forgiveness. Total forgiveness. Our salvation doesn't depend on us. And praise God, it doesn't. None of us would be saved if that was the case. Not one of us. None of us measure up. That's God's message to us. We don't meet the standard. We don't measure up. Christ did. Christ does. You know, the Bible has a lot to say about the Word of God. It has a lot to say. If you just did like a Google search, if you went into one of your Bible apps and typed in the Word of God, and see how many times that comes up in the Bible. It's a bunch. It's a whole lot. Here's a few of them. Jesus says in Luke 4.4, 4, man does not live by bread alone, finish it, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Man lives by the word of God. In Luke 5.1, there are people pressing unto Jesus to hear from him, it says. What are they wanting to hear from Jesus? The Word of God. They're wanting to hear the Word of God. In Acts 4.31, Peter and John have been imprisoned and they get released and they go and share everything that happened and the people are rejoicing in what they hear. The, the Christians are rejoicing in what they hear. And the place is shaken, and they're all filled with the Holy Spirit. And it goes on to say, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. They spoke, what they speak? The word of God with boldness. That's what they spoke. In Acts 6-2, the apostles didn't want to neglect what? They, they, they decided we should not neglect the word of God by waiting on tables. And just a few verses later in Acts 6-7, it says the Word of God increased. When the Samaritans get saved, when Peter goes and the Samaritans are trusting the Lord, what does it say of them? The Samaritans received the Word of God. The Gospel is God's Word to man. It's God's Word to man. It's not our Word about God. It's God's Word to you, brother and sister. I'm driving this point home. I know I'm being repetitive, but I think it's so important. We didn't come up with the gospel. We didn't save ourselves. It's God's plan, and it's a perfect plan. And if you've trusted Jesus, you're saved, and you're saved completely. His plan was perfect. It's God's message to us. It's not our message about God. Although when we share it, we're sharing a message to someone else that is from God to them. Twelve twenty four. it says, but the Word of God continued to increase and spread. The Word of God seems synonymous 
in the book of Acts with the gospel. It seems synonymous. The word of God continued to increase and to spread. It's talking about the gospel. The gospel is God's word. In Acts 13.44, it says, almost the whole city gathered. This is in uh, Antioch, Presidia Antioch. Almost the whole city gathered together to hear what? What a wonderful thing if that would be the case. The whole city gathered together to hear the word of God. What a wonderful thing that would be. That, this should encourage us as well. God's word is so sure, we can proclaim it boldly. We, we ought to have confidence. This is the word of God. This is not our word. We didn't come up with this. This is the word of God. The Bible you have in front of you. It's the word of God, the gospel that we proclaim. It's the word of God to man. It's not our word about God. It's God's word to us. What a blessing he's given us his word, hey? We can boldly proclaim it. This is God's word. In Ephesians 6.17, there's, there, there's the, the armor. <laughs> Put on the full armor of God, it says, and it goes on to say in 6.17, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. The word of God is the sword of the Spirit. It's an offensive wedding. <laughs> wedding. <laughs> weapon. What's on my mind? i got a wedding coming up. <laughs> it's an offensive weapon. It cuts. It's sharp. But we're to wield it. We're to use it. In 2 Timothy 2.9, Paul says he was chained like a criminal or bound like a criminal, but the Word of God is not bound or the Word of God is not chained. In other words, I'm chained here, but I'm proclaiming the Word. God's Word isn't chained. In Hebrews 11.3, look, this is just a snapshot. I'm only going to give you two more. There are so many of these, but this thought about the Word of God and the Gospel being the Word of God to man. I just want to drive this point home. Uh, Hebrews 11.3, it says, Through faith we understand that the worlds, were, the worlds were formed by the Word of God. What a powerful Word God has. If God says you're saved because you have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and you are complete in Him, then that's the truth. If He can create the worlds by speaking them into existence, He can save you by His plan. Through His message, the Gospel is the power of God unto salvation. What a wonderful truth. If God says you're saved, you are saved. You are not short. You are not lacking. You are complete in Christ. You're complete in Him. And we can rejoice in that. The Gospel is God's Word to us. And here's one more. Peter writes, Peter, who is, is the one that has shared the gospel with the Gentiles and who's going to have to, who has some explaining to do. I don't do a very good Ricky Ricardo impersonation. But 1 Peter one twenty three, Peter writes this, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible by the word of God. Born again, not of corruptible seed, but by the word, I've been born again by the word of God. That's a powerful word. I'm saved completely. If you're here today, you are saved. You've trusted Jesus as your Savior. You are saved completely. You can't be more saved than you already are. I'm talking this morning about three, what am I talking about? Three important truths concerning the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the first one is, the gospel is God's word to man. 
The second one is the gospel is for Jews and Gentiles, or to put it more poignantly, the gospel is for everyone. It's for all people. It tears down barriers. It doesn't build them up. The gospel tears down barriers and praise God that it does. Verse 2, When Peter came up to Jerusalem, those who were circumcised took issue with him, saying, You went to the uncircumcised men and ate with them? Here they take issue. They don't think the gospel's for the Gentiles, but the gospel's for everyone. The gospel is for everyone. They voiced their objections. Those who were of the circumcision contended with him, saying, you went to the uncircumcised men and ate with them. Their objections are two. Those men are uncircumcised. They're not Jews. And you ate with them and you ought not to have done that. Now the apostles knew that the gospel was to be preached to all nations. Jesus said as much in the Great Commission, go into, go into all the world and I'm messing up two verses together. In Matthew 28, 19, All authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me. Therefore, go into all the earth and preach the gospel and make disciples of every nation and teach them to obey everything I have commanded you. That might be two translations. I might have missed some words there. But they were to go into all the nations. But maybe they were thinking the nations would come to them and become Jewish first, right? They'd get circumcised, they'd become proselytes, and then they would, proselytes, proselytes, I don't know how to say that word. Uh, and then they would hear the gospel that way. Maybe that's what they were thinking. But these Gentiles got saved without any of that. And, and so there is this objection from the apostles and the brothers, and the brethren, it says, You know, the Samaritans had heard um, the word and believed, but at least they had the law of Moses. At least they were like half Jewish or something, so maybe they thought they would have to, the Gentiles would have to become Jewish or something. But to eat with them, for Peter to eat with them would show a sign of acceptance or fellowship, right? It would, it would do that. Uh, we're, uh, believers are told, I think it's Corinthians 5, if there's a brother who is living in an immoral fashion, we ought not to eat with such a one. That's a brother, a believer. But Jesus ate with tax collectors and sinners, and they objected to him as well. The Pharisees and scribes in Mark 2.16, when the scribes and the Pharisees saw that he was eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they said to his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And what's Jesus' response to that? It's not those who are healthy who need a physician, but those who are sick. I did not come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance. The gospel is for everyone. The gospel is for everyone because all of sin falls short of the glory of God. In verse 4, Peter begins his explanation. It says, But Peter began speaking and proceeded to explain to them in an orderly sequence. He's, this reminds me of um, when Luke writes in Luke chapter 1, he gives an orderly account. I think it's important for Luke that things are done orderly and he's letting folks know that Peter Peter didn't dodge around anything. He gave an orderly sequence of events. This is what happened. He didn't want there to be any confusion.
So he begins with where he was and what he saw in verse 5. He's in the city of Joppa. He's praying. He sees a vision. We, we, we looked at all that in the last two weeks. He fixed his gaze on it. He observed what he saw. Four-footed beasts. And he heard a voice saying to him, Get up, Peter. Kill and eat. Verse 8, But I said, By no means, Lord, for nothing unholy or unclean has ever entered my mouth. Peter has objections of his own, doesn't he? No way, Lord. I'm not doing that. Maybe Peter's objections are... Well, we know what his objections are. He's not going to eat anything unclean. But, but these, these uh, the apostles and the brothers, maybe their objection is that the gospel was for God's elect people. Maybe that was their objection. The gospel was just for God's elect people. But the gospel and its beneficiaries are not decided by man. The gospel is for everyone. The response is each one's own responsibility, but the gospel is for everyone. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. It's for everyone. What Peter is saying, I think, when, when, he's, when he's letting them know I had objections to kill and eat, he's, he's saying, look, this didn't originate with me. I didn't orchestrate this. I didn't plan this. I didn't sit down and think, hey, I'm going to have a vision today so I can go proclaim the gospel to the... He had no clue that this was coming. But it was Jesus who said in Matthew 15, 11, it is not that which goes into a man that defiles him, but that which comes out of a man, right? And God's reply to Peter in verse 9, but a voice from heaven answered a second time, what God has cleansed, no longer consider unholy. The Gentiles were to be received into the church as Gentiles. That's what Peter is being shown here. Without requiring circumcision, or conversion to Judaism. It is God, it is, God has declared clean those who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what God is going to declare clean those who believe on the Lord Jesus Christ no matter cultural background. Paul writes as much to the Galatians in Galatians 3.28 with regard to the gospel being for everyone. He says there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. The gospel tears down barriers. In John 1, 11 and 12, it says, He came to that which was His own, but His own did not receive Him, but to those who received Him, but to as many as received Him, to those who have believed on His name, He gave the right to be called children of God. The Gentiles were going to become children of God through faith in Jesus Christ. does not matter the color of your skin, the culture you grew up in. God sent His Son and in so doing, sent a message to the human race. And that message is for everyone. And the message is this. Jesus is enough. He's enough for me. He's enough for you. And He's enough for everyone else too. I realized when I wrote that, it rhymed and I just left it like that. He's enough for me, He's enough for you, and He's enough for everyone else too. Jesus is enough. In Hebrews 10.12 it says, But when this high priest had offered 
for all time, one sacrifice for sins. He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, or the right hand of God. What a Savior. When this high priest offered one sacrifice for all time, he sat down at the right hand of God. And that is alluding back to the priest who couldn't enter only once a year into the Holy of Holies to offer a sacrifice of atonement Sacrifice of atonement. On the great day of atonement, they go in there once. They tie a rope to his foot in case he died. They could drag him out because no one else could go in there. But when this, and he couldn't sit down in there, he had to stay standing. But when this high priest offered one sacrifice for all time, he sat down at the right hand of God. What a Savior. You know, Peter is relaying this explanation to what happened and why he went to the Gentiles and shared the gospel with them and why he ate with them. And you would think that that's going to end it for Peter. He's had this vision, this experience, and all this stuff. But later on, when Paul writes to the Galatians, he said he has to write and say, look, I had to confront Peter face to face because he was withdrawing from the Gentiles and not eating with them. Isn't that a strange thing? Aren't we, aren't we believers, aren't we unusual People, don't we have this 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 new life in Christ? We are new creations in Christ, and we're dragging around this body of death. But praise God! Do you think when you get to heaven, Peter's going to be there? Amen. Peter's going to be there, but he wasn't perfect. Do you know what Paul says of that in Galatians two fourteen? I wrote it down here. In Galatians two fourteen. He says they were, those those that were not eating with the Gentiles, they were not walking uprightly according to the truth of the gospel. Because the gospel is for everyone. And once someone trusts Christ, they become a child of God, part of the family of God. There are no illegitimate children in the family of God. Isn't that a wonderful truth? Not a single illegitimate child in the family of God. Not you, not me, not any of us. No one. If you've trusted Jesus as Savior, you're not an illegitimate child. You're not a second-class citizen in the kingdom of heaven. The gospel is for everyone, and everyone who believes is a child of God. Last point. First two points, if you remember, I'm not. The gospel is God's word to us. Second point, the gospel is for everyone. The last point, to oppose the advance of the gospel is to stand in opposition to God. To oppose the advance of the gospel is to stand in opposition to God. We had a VBS this week, and at the last day, Cindy asked all the kids to close their eyes, bow their heads, and she said, if you would like to talk to someone, another adult, about the Lord, if you have some more questions, if you would like to know how you could have a relationship with God through Christ, you raise your hand and you go talk to one of these adults. And she named a few of us. Well, four hands went up. Only three kids ended up going, but four hands went up. What were they doing? They were responding to the gospel. And you'll hear people say, you got to be, you know, you shouldn't offer a, uh, what do you, uh, an altar call for kids. Well, that seems crazy to me. 
if the kid is ready to respond, if they've just heard the truth, yeah, you can manipulate a kid. You ought not to do that. But if a kid is interested and curious and you, you're able to talk with them and they're understanding, we ought not to stand in the way of the gospel. There is a need for caution, for sure. But kids can understand the gospel. Kids as young as five have been saved. Verse 11, I know we got out of here a minute, but Peter hears a voice from heaven. Verse 10, this happened three times. In verse 10, three times, I don't know what the deal is with this repetition other than Peter needed it. He, he denied the Lord three times. It took three times for, for Jesus to restore him. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord. You know all things. You know that I love you. The sheet comes down three times. Peter goes to those Gentiles. He, he goes from, from Joppa. He's got to be thinking of, of, uh, of um, the Jewish man Jonah who went to the Gentiles in Nineveh. Here's this Jewish man Peter and he's going to go to the Gentile Cornelius and his household. And he's got to be thinking also of what Jesus said to him. Feed my sheep. When them Gentiles trust Jesus Christ, you know what they become? Not just children of God, but Jesus' sheep. Part of the same flock. Verse 11, And behold, at that moment three men appeared at the house in which we were staying, having been sent to me from Caesarea. Again, Peter is saying it was God that did it all. It was all God's doing. God told Cornelius to send these men. And he says, and behold, immediately, I think in the King James, and behold, immediately, these three men show up. In other words, he's saying, I didn't have to think very hard to connect the dots here. When Cindy asked those kids if they wanted to talk to someone, and a little girl said, yeah, and Cindy said, you want to talk to him? And she said, yeah. I thought, well, I don't have to think too hard. I'm going to go talk to this young one, right? Sometimes God just lines things up like that. Um, it's God who, who told Cornelius to send these men also. God, the Holy Spirit, who told Peter to go with these men in verse 12. The Spirit told me, go with them without misgivings. These six brethren also went with me and we entered the man's house. It's God's word Peter was to bring. And that is an amazing thought. That could be a message all by itself. Verse 14. And he will speak words to you by which you will be saved, you and all your household. He will speak words to you by which you will be saved. It's God's plan, right? And it comes through words. God's words are powerful, though. It comes through words. He's going to speak words to you by which you will be saved? Words? My thought goes to Naaman, right? Remember Naaman from the Old Testament? The commander of, I forget whose armies, valiant warrior. That king loved that guy. He's got leprosy. He's wanting that leprosy to be healed. Elisha is sent for to cure this man of his leprosy. And Elisha sends back word. 
Tell him to go dip himself in the Jordan seven times. What? How offensive. How ridiculous. Go dip myself in the Jordan seven times. And a servant has to come in and say, Sir, I don't know how he words it exactly. If he'd have told you to do something great, you'd have done that, wouldn't you? If he'd told you to go conquer a city, you'd have done that. I know you can't make a direct correlation here, but the gospel is simple like that. It's simple. We're all sinners. We fall short of the glory of God. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ because it is the power of God unto salvation for the Jew first and also for the Greek. Power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes. You hear the word, you believe, and you receive forgiveness of sins. You believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and his finished work. Peter was going to come and tell them words by which he, they would be saved. He wasn't going to come and wave a magic wand. He wasn't going to do some kind of magic dance. He wasn't going to put them in a box or on a pedestal. He wasn't going to tell them, go out and do this work and that work and that work, and when you're done with that, come and talk to me again. He was going to share the gospel with them. What a powerful word the gospel is to us from God. And that's what Cornelius was expecting. He was expecting for Peter to come and tell them words. And he will speak words to you by which you will be saved, you and all your household. And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them just as he did upon us at the beginning. And I remember the word of the Lord. Do you recognize God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are all over the place in these short 18 verses here? I remember the word of the Lord, the words of Jesus. John baptized you with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. He remembered those words. These people just got baptized with the Holy Spirit. They believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and have received the Holy Spirit. They received the same gift, the same Holy Spirit. Not a different Holy Spirit, not a different gift. There's not two churches, there's one And the Holy Spirit was given to those who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 17, Therefore, if God gave to them the same gift as he gave to us also after believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could stand in God's way? And that's the point of my third point here. To oppose the advance of the gospel is to stand in opposition to God. That's what Peter's saying. Who am I to stand in opposition to God if God is working in this way? And God works in this way. How, how could Peter stand in the way? And how could they stand in the way when they heard these things and they couldn't? It says in verse 18, when they heard this, they quieted down and glorified God. They praised God for what they heard. They held their peace and praised God. They had no further objections, at least for a little bit. They had no further objections and they praised God. And we ought to praise God when people come to faith in Christ. We ought to praise God because the gospel is God's word to man. The gospel is for everyone. And to stand in the way of the gospel is to stand in the way of God, is to oppose God. To oppose the advance of the gospel is to oppose God. And we ought to be concerned as believers with the advance of the gospel. That ought to be 
on our minds and in our hearts the advance of the gospel. There's no more important word for people to hear. We've got a lot of words we can share with people about all kinds of things. We've got a lot of opinions about things and thoughts about things, but this is God's thoughts to man about what we need, and it's for everyone. And it's a powerful word. One last verse. Well, I'll finish 18 and I'll read one last verse to you. When they heard this, they quieted down and glorified God, saying, Well then, God has granted to the Gentiles also the repentance that leads to life. If you have trusted Christ as Savior, you have new life in Him. Behold, all things, old things have passed away. All things have become new. We have new life in Christ and we can walk in newness of life. Ephesians 1.13, you know there's a few places also uh, Paul writes to the Thessalonians, he says something really similar about them receiving the Word of God. But Ephesians 1.13, and you also were included in Christ. When? When you heard the Word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. They weren't included in Christ prior to that. They were included in Christ when they heard the Word of Christ, the gospel of their salvation. Having believed, you were marked in Him with a seal the promised Holy Spirit. We all come to Christ the same way. What a wonderful message we have from God. And what a wonderful message we have from God that we have the privilege to share with others. Let me close with a word of prayer. And uh, we have communion today. Soren's going to come and him and I are going to distribute. Actually, Soren will distribute and I'll wait for him to come back maybe. Let's, let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that we have complete forgiveness in Christ. As we come to the communion table, help us to be reminded of that. Our righteousness is not our own, it's Christ's. And thank you for that. Thank you for what Jesus has done on our behalf. Father, bless our time around the communion table now. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.